This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Welcome back to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined remotely via Zoom meeting by my co-host, Professor Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and a brand identity theorist. Hello, Americus. Hi, Barbara. Okay, so you know I have a daughter. Her name is Zora Fabiana Reed. She's nine years old. And uh, I was at the pool with her (laughs) this past weekend, and she asked me a question, Barbara. She said, Daddy, we did not go back to school shopping this year. Do I have to wear a particular uh, outfit when I go to class in my Zoom? And it made me think, Barbara, it made me say to myself, wow, there's an entire market out there of back-to-school marketing that happens in the retail world, which is your domain of expertise. And it made me wonder, like, what is going to happen in the world of all virtual and hybrid back-to-school marketing and retailers that try to have a big push during this time. What are your thoughts and have you got something for me? Yeah, so there are a lot, a lot of issues and a lot of things going on. And it would be wonderful if we could have an expert come and talk to us about it, which lucky for us, we do. Our guest today is Lisa Rosenberg, who's the president of consumer brands at the Global Communications Agency, Allison and Partners, and she's been really following the back-to-school marketing situation, Um, and so she's here to help us answer some of those questions. Hello, Lisa, and welcome to the show. Hello, Barbara. Thank you so much for having me. So before we start on back to school, let's just get a little background so we know about what you're doing. Now, you're at this global communications agency. So tell us a little bit about um, your president there, but about your role. And even before um, we get into back to school, just tell us a little bit about what you've been seeing in general. And then we'll get into the specifics of back to school. Sure. Um, well, I run our consumer brands practice at Allison and Partners, and I've been in the consumer marketing world for um, more than 20 years now. Um, I work on a number of different client brands, some that um, are actively marketing back to school, others um, that don't. Um, But we represent a host of consumer brands um, ranging from uh, back to school friendly brands like Danon um, and Toyota, um, which is a family friendly brand, to um, brands like Samsung and Budweiser. Um, so really, it isn't a back to school brand. Really. <laughs> it yeah. might it might be for me that and Jack Daniels actually. <laughs> uh, Maybe if you're a grad student. You know. <laughs> yes, yes. There, there there are a lot of parents, Lisa, who are figuring out the pod thing. The virtual thing, and there there will be some alcohol involved. <laughs> um, for parents, absolutely. Um, and and you know, I have been following what's going on with back to school, both as a marketer and as a parent. I have um, twin boys who are going into their senior year of high school, and you know, so I have been following 
you know, what's going to happen for them. Um, and then, of course, I have lots of friends who have children as well. And so just sort of paying attention not only to what brands are doing, but also what parents are thinking, what teachers are saying. There are a lot of forums and bulletin boards that I'm on. So it's both professionally and personally interesting to me to see, um, you know, what we make of 2020-2021 school year. Yeah, so then again, before we get into the school year, I'm just curious because you are this expert on global brands. What have you seen on branding campaigns, marketing dollars, things like that that's happened as a result of COVID? And what are the general brands and advertising you know, feelings of your clients in, in how they're trying to deal with COVID? Can you? Yeah, um, I think, you know, we've seen um, a shift and then a shift again. Um, I think in the beginning when you know, the country um, basically went on pause, marketers weren't really sure what to do. Um, and we weren't sure how long it was going to last. So a lot of our clients were like, oh, well, maybe we'll just take a short pause. You know, let's let's see what's going to happen in like two or three weeks. And then as it became apparent that this was going to be a much longer, um, you know, period of sustained change, um, that's when we start to see marketers really say, you know, or brands say, okay, if this is our new or current reality, how do we continue um, to communicate with our consumers in a way that's appropriate, that isn't tone deaf? Um, and, and you know, do we have a right to be part of the conversation? And in the beginning, you saw a lot of brands really you know, sort of take a, a step back. They didn't want to be inappropriate. They didn't want to be overtly selling something if it wasn't something that was going to be particularly helpful um, based upon the current environment. And that did vary regionally. Um, I live in New York, so New York was hit um, hardest first. And there was definitely, um, you know, a different sense of what was happening um, amongst people who lived in New York versus other parts of the country where they may not have had many COVID cases initially. Um, so you started to see, you know, brands sort of flex um, with what they were doing um, and how they were communicating. And initially, our guidance to clients really was, if you have something to say that is going to be helpful, that is relevant and pertinent now, um, then that's okay. Um, if it's not relevant or if it's just fluff, we may want to take a pause. We may want to wait a few weeks and see what the tone and tenor is of the conversation. And, and you have to understand, we've had a conflux of really, um, you know, four different, I would say, um, crises going on in our country since the beginning of this year. You started with the pandemic, so you had COVID to deal with, and you had the, you know, extreme um, loss of jobs and the number of people who are, are really suffering financially. So our economic crisis. Um, and then um, you had the whole Black Lives Matter um, movement and the whole racial injustice, um, which also, um, you know, caused brands to take a pause or a step back and reevaluate. And then you have the ongoing climate crisis. So you have, um, you know, sort of a confluence of events happening in 2020 um, that have, I think have never before been seen in, in most people's lifetimes. I was going to ask you if the fourth one, you said the climate change was the, the last one, but I was wondering if you were going to include like the polarized election environment. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could. Um, <laughs> right. I would say if, you, if you look at sort of um, the issues 
you know, we are at a, a time of, of tremendous upheaval in a divided nation. And that has come to fruition through both the Black Lives Matter movement. It's come to light in terms of how people are dealing with um, the pandemic and, and COVID and whether you believe the science or you don't, or you think you should wear a mask or you think that COVID isn't real. Mm-hmm. So you have a nation that is, is looking at things from you know, in many cases, sort of polar opposite ends of the spectrum. And so if you're a brand, um, you know, how do you appeal to your audiences without alienating others? Do you take a stand? I mean, these are very real issues that we've had to couch our our clients on. You know, if you believe in something and you take a stand, you know, does it matter if maybe you lose some of your customers? Is it more important to stand for what you believe in? Um, and, and every brand, you know, looks at things differently and, and has their own, um, you know, set of values with which to evaluate how to move forward. But those are all things that, you know, we've had to consider as we counsel clients mm-hmm. in, in what has been, you know, gosh, I'll say it, you know, a year like no other. That yeah. is one of the phrases I'd like to banish yes. from the lexicon permanently. Yes, that and you're on mute. Uh, <laughs> you know, what? <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting, though. I'll just say that uh, six million COVID cases are quite real, uh, to your point, uh, Lisa. But let me jump back to this because I want to I want to get your commentary on this pulling back to uh, back to school issues. Barbara, you're blessed because your children are grown and out of the house. But I got to tell you, I am I am really struck by the stress that that gets told to me, Barbara, uh, by parents in my neighborhood about just they just don't know what's going to be happening with the kids and the whole, you know, you know, having to have to, to work two jobs plus the kids plus do part time teaching and potting and all of this stuff. It seems like there's an opportunity potentially. And I want to get your thoughts on this, Barbara and Lisa for brands to step in and try to help parents deal with the challenges of this stress and this, this difficulty of this really uncertain world. What are your thoughts on that, Lisa, as a point for brands to attempt to try to differentiate? And then to Barbara, is that something that we'll see more brands in the retail space trying to become collaborating partners to help pa- the parent identity, to help us cope and to be uh, effective at what we're trying to do with with what's going on with our children right now. What are your thoughts, Lisa? Yes, I think um, absolutely there are opportunities for brands to step in. Um, I think you know, what, what I'm seeing, and it's, it's so interesting, um, sort of the response by um, parents to what their school districts are doing, what the government is doing, um, whether they believe their kids should be back in school full-time, whether they are comfortable with a hybrid model, or if they believe their children need to stay home, but then how they grapple with, well, how do I balance my work with children being home? And and how do I make sure if my kids are learning, whether it's permanently, you know, or, or full-time at home or a hybrid model, how do I make sure the, you know, the education the quality of the education is good and my kids are learning. How do we not make the last, you know, six months and the next possibly year not be a waste? And so I think, you know, there's absolutely the opportunity for brands to step in to create 
quality programming. Where I see, um, you know, parents really struggling the most is those with younger children. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really difficult if, if, a, if a child is learning, you know, primarily through Zoom or some other, um, you know, digital platform, if they don't know how to start the class and they have to switch classes every 45 minutes, you know, if mom or dad is working, but they need to, you know, press pause on what they're doing and start their child on Zoom, it's, it's really very challenging. And what if there's downtime in between Zooms or in between classes or between when formal classes end and mom and dad's day, you know, and how do you supplement um, what your kids are doing, um, you know, digitally um, in most cases, but where you're not just putting them, you know, down in front of the TV um, or playing a video game. And so you are seeing brands step in um, and and provide access to educational materials. Um, Mm -hmm. I know, for example, PBS Kids, um, they're they're continuing to offer at-home learning support mm-hmm. for grades um, pre-K to 12, and they have a variety of free, um, accessible educational, um, you know, resources created for students and teachers. Um, and so brands that are, are creating material that can supplement what you're doing in school, I think will garner a lot of, um, a lot of love from mom and dad in particular. Um, because they're struggling with, with what is a very long day when your children wake up, but do not leave the house and are, are asked to basically sit in front of a screen, um, you know, for seven, eight plus hours a day, but then there's still another 12, 14 (laughs) hours, depending on when they go to sleep what do you do? And if they're young, it's incredibly challenging because you can't just tell them, go entertain yourself. We're talking to Lisa Rosenberg, who's the president of consumer brands at the global communications agency, Allison and Partners. And we're talking about all the issues that are coming back in back to school marketing. And we just, Lisa just talked about what America's asked is like, what role do brands play in thinking about this new environment that we're in where parents are at home, they're trying to work, they're trying to bring their students back to school. They have to do some of their own teaching. It's a time of incredible incredible uncertainty. But as we mentioned at the start of the show, the back to school movement or back to school season is a huge, it's usually a huge season for retailers where a lot of things are being sold. So let's start first with playing a traditional um, back to school ad. We have some ad from JCPenney's where they're talking about what is it now to go back to school and what is the new rhythm of back to school. So let's play that JCPenney's ad called The Rhythm. Back to school means back into a rhythm. Kinda. Back to class, however it looks. And back to acing each day together. No matter what the school year brings, we're here to get you ready. J.C. Penny. See, now that's interesting, Barbara, because I think, you know, you making the comparison of that, of that audio clip as kind of, you know, what we're used to do you think, Barbara, that that, and I'm going to get Lisa's thoughts on this as well, that, that that approach really needs to be modified or tweaked to be better synchronous with the appropriate tone and messaging for some of the issues we've been talking about before? Barbara, what are your thoughts? Well, yeah, one of the things that's interesting is I almost think it's independent because remember, mm. there's a lot of pressure on retailers, and I'm sure Lisa feels this way too, you know, to get products sold. You know, mm-hmm. regardless of this uncertainty and all this messaging that brands might be able to do on that dimension, but 
really, we got to get products sold. So now we're going back to your daughter, Zora. Mm -hmm. She asked you, I'm mm -hmm. sitting in front of the camera now. Dad, do I have to wear new clothes? Typically, when you go into school, you buy all new clothes. Now, the one good news about children is they grow. So <laughs> the good news is, is my yeah. guess is some of them need new clothes, regardless of whether they're going to school online or, or in person, because they outgrow their old, their old clothes. But Lisa, I'm curious to see what you've been seeing. You said you've been watching this in, in terms of the brands that are being bought um, and the, the marketing that's being done at back to school. Is it typically electronics now? Is it clothing? What's different about our Zoom environment in what's being marketed as back to school? You know, it's really, really interesting. I would say, you know, about a month ago, um, we, we thought back to school season really might not happen. Um, you know, it was a will it or won't it. Um, and what we were seeing sales of were tablets and computers, um, even desks and lamps to make a potentially appropriate place for kids to sit down and learn. Uh, because if they were going to be, um, you know, remote learning for a sustained period of time, we wanted them to have, you know, parents wanted them to have an appropriate place with which um, to sit down and, and attend school, um, you know, quote unquote. And I think um, that's actually evolved even over the last few weeks. Um, you know, we're seeing retailers continue to advertise um, and promote products um, both digital and, you know, old world, crayons, paper, pencils, um, for, for projects that may happen while you're not on Zoom class. Um, and I think if, if I can comment on the spot that you shared, what makes the JCPenney spot um, so appealing is the vignettes of the families um, in the spot um, were very relatable. And when people are thinking about what's happening in their own household, Right now, um, you know, it's 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 not quite normal, mm -hmm. um, but the spot tried to create a sense of normalcy of the not normal. Um, so again, you saw you saw images of parents and children. You saw the real struggles of where am I learning? Am I outside? Am I sitting at a desk? Mm -hmm. Am I off to school? Um, and I think that's what makes that spot so effective. It was it was incredibly relatable without being preachy. Um, I also think what we're starting to see is I have a number of friends whose children are starting their learning. Mm -hmm. um, what I think is really interesting, um, and I saw someone post a video of their children, their child getting ready for the first day of school, yes. got dressed, put her books in a backpack and went from her bedroom to a study where she was going to sit down and work. So creating <laughs> a little bit of that rhythm yes, as if yes. you were going to school and, and you yes. are seeing kids who have to wear their uniform, at least from the waist up. Um, and, and I think there is definitely some value in that. You know, if I think back to my kids um, who spent the last, you know, six months of their junior year at home, basically doing class from under the covers, yeah. there, is, there, there is some value in creating a sense of rhythm to give a sense of normalcy and a sense of focus. So I think um, that's part of what made that spot really powerful. Yeah, you know, that's a very interesting thing because if we're settling into this as the new normal and we live in a consumer environment, you know, where a lot of our, our economy is generated by what consumers buy over time, all we're saying is, okay, now you're in a new reality. What are the products you need for this new reality? I mean, and like what you're saying, I actually think that's a really good thing to do for 
for kids mm -hmm. to establish the routines again and not and make them get out of their pajamas and put their new yes. school clothes on, you know, yes. because there was something about that excitement about getting ready for school in your new clothes. You can still do that. People yes. will see you in Zoom in your new clothes. You know, as you say, yeah. you just be the top up, but they can still see you. And then, you know, there are new consumer purchases you have to make to you know, for your school room at home that you didn't used to yeah. have, electronics, yes. and still the tools that maybe school used to supply for you, the papers and pencils and things like that, or whatever people use in school today. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you need to buy those supplies for your home. So there should be different things that you might want to buy to continue your life, maybe not the same things. And I would imagine the better brands and better retailers are pivoting to the new need of yeah. consumers. Have you seen that within your own brand clientele, Lisa, some pivoting that they've been doing? Um, absolutely. I think, um, you know, it's not only what, what consumers are going to use at home, but there are those, um, you know, uh, school districts around the country where kids are going back to school. And so you're starting to see an increase in, um, you know, protective equipment or masks. Um, masks are the obvious ones, I guess. You know, and, and, and if you start to think about it, masks, you know, for, for young girls, you know, having different style masks to go with my outfit, that is like a whole new genre of, of um, you know, right. potential shopping for young girls. Um, and, and you're seeing, um, you know, for example, there's been a lot um, noted about American Eagle, which is a big retailer amongst, you know, preteens and teens. And they've just sort of shifted or pivoted their, um, you know, what they're focusing from a merchandising standpoint, whereas it used to be a lot more jeans um, and shirts, you're seeing a lot more loungewear. You're seeing a lot more, you can still be dressed, but you can be comfortable. Um, so you are seeing brands pivot not only how they're marketing, but what they're marketing um, as, as our reality continues to unfold. You know, one of the things I want to ask, and this really should be America's question, but he's <laughs> stating me well, America's, as I mentioned, is the brand identity theorist. And I'm curious how brands are creating this brand identity or connecting with the consumer's identity. Because I would think in this, and America's, you should weigh in on this, but I would think in this period of uncertainty in these schools, you know, I'm picturing America's poor daughter, Zora. Yeah. I'm really yeah. picturing that. Yeah. Like trying to figure out what her identity is what does it mean now it's one thing for us to figure out this covid world but it's quite another for the kids to figure yes. it out and i think this is a little bit america's what you were talking about earlier what are the brand's role and maybe some kind of identity role mm -hmm. would be useful here i don't know america's if you want to comment on that or lisa if you have any examples of that yeah i think it's a great question i'll, I'll jump in quickly before lisa chimes in it's huge You're, you make a fantastic point barbara that is Things are shifting. I, I love this this term that you guys used in terms of pivoting to to the new reality or the, maybe the next normal is what I'm hearing it being called. But this idea of you know how do you compensate? So one of the things Zora is doing now, my daughter Zora is doing, is she's big into like the online virtual world and these games the kids play to interact with each other. So there's an opportunity. I don't know if brands are even playing in this space, but there's an opportunity for brands to actually live virtually. I think in these in some of these some of these more entertainment venues that become the substitutes for the social piece that we can't have as easily uh, in terms of the social distancing. Uh, so that might be one thing. What are your thoughts on that to build on that question 
uh, that Barbara's mentioning, Lisa, in terms of how do how are the brands, the cutting edge, best in class clients that you're working with, and and what you're also doing in terms of your advisement uh, with Allison Partners uh, to to help brands really connect, like Barbara's saying, and and help help these kids continue to create and reinforce an identity that somehow they get credit for as brands helping to re- reinforce these things? That's a really great question, America. So I think, um, you know, there's, it, 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 a lot depends on what age, um, you know, your a brand's products or services are for. Um, and obviously if they're marketing, you know, if they're able to market directly, um, or, you know, to teens and, and get around some of the uh, restrictions versus how you reach young kids, which is often through, you know, mom or dad or through potentially video games. Um, so I think you're seeing, and, and I think the video game in the, in the virtual worlds that you that you spoke about um, is a great example. We're seeing, you know, brands do integrations on Fortnite, um, which... Fortnite. You know, <laughs> well, and, and so many kids are, are playing Fortnite, um, you know, particularly at that sort of, um, you know, really critical sort of stage in their development where they are forming their identity and they're forming their friend groups. Um, and I think, you know, my kids are actually a little past Fortnite, but um, <laughs> it, it was where you socialized. And so now that kids are home more. Um, if you think about a virtual world and you think about not being able to really go out and get together with friends, um, you know, the virtual world becomes actually a, a, a wonderful environment with which to socialize and, and blow off some steam and, and build your own identity. And, and brands are certainly tapping into that. I mean, we saw some brands do that, you know, earlier last year when, you know, brands like um, Wendy's and the NFL were on Fortnite. And I know mm. um, you, we're starting to see some other brands do integrations. Um, yeah, I mean, I just have to stop you here. We're running out of time. We've okay. been talking to Lisa Rosenberg, who's the president of consumer brands at the Global Communications Agency about black back to school marketing. Thank you, Lisa, so much for joining us today. And where can listeners go to keep up with you and your work? They can um, look for me on LinkedIn. Um, it's LinkedIn slash in slash Lisa Rosenberg. Um, or they can follow me on Instagram at Lisa W. Rosenberg, or they can check out our website at allisonpr.com. That sounds great. Thank you very much. I'd love to thank our my co-host, Professor Americus Reed, our audio engineer, Dion Simpkins, and our producer, Dana Cash. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We're replayed several times throughout the week. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter at SXMBusiness for information about our show and our guests line up. Thank you for listening. This is Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn here with Americus Reed, Business Radio, Sirius XM, 132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.